Okay, hello everyone, Dashian Miller, and we're here with this week's episode of Kuden. I know, I know, last episode, last week, I said because of the holidays, wasn't sure I was going to do it, but uh, I was going to miss it, right? This is just something cool that I like doing, so uh, here we are, right? Uh, so, question, question, questions, maybe, okay? Uh, let's lead off episode 140 this way, right? Have you ever found yourself in a slump, right? Have you ever been frustrated about or with some uh, aspect of your training, some part of your training, right? Um, or with your progress, right? We're going to talk about that and more, right? Well, s'more? No, more, right? Uh, when we come back. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Excellent. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, hopefully everyone had a great holiday for those of you who celebrate Christmas, Yule, Noel, whatever you want to call it, right? And for those of you who don't, it was a weekend. So hope you had a good weekend, right? So uh, what I want to go into uh, during this episode uh, is frustration, right? Different types, right? So uh, I jotted out some notes quickly here for, I know it's my scribble, right? Uh, for those of you on audio only, that made no sense at all. I held up a piece of paper with notes scribbled out, right? Uh, so uh, I'm going to take this through three three uh, aspects or three interconnected uh, perspectives, right? So we're going to take a look at uh, some causes, right, of frustration, okay? Things that obviously get us to feel like, right, we're not making progress, confused, whatever, right? We're going to flip that and look at three things that frustration itself causes, right? Causes to happen. And then we're going to dive into something that people like to skirt around, but it happens all the time and in many different forms. We're going to talk about three types of quitting, right? Three types of quitting. And spoiler alert, one of those doesn't look like quitting at all. So we'll just do our thing. Okay. All right. But before we start with all this, before I jump into things, right. Um, I see that there are a good handful of folks that are on already. So, um, what, what, what have, what has caused a slump? What has caused you? Have you, have you been in it? Can you kind of paint a picture? Right. Uh, and this is for, you know, the listeners, right. This is one of the benefits of being on live. Okay. So again, those questions that I posed before, uh, the intro, right. Have you ever been frustrated with some aspect of your training? If so, what was it? How did it feel? How long did it last? Uh, those kind of things, right? What kind of thoughts, words, plans, actions, whatever did it cause for you, right? Um, have you ever been in a slump, right? What does it feel like, okay? Um, those kind of things, right? Um, or just, you know, have you ever been frustrated with your progress, okay? So maybe it's not techniques. Maybe it's something else, okay? So James is watching the comments and whatnot, so feel free, right? 
And while James is waiting for those things to come in, burning up your keyboard with your little ninja fingers, right? Uh, quick reminder, right? The year's running out. So uh, next week, right? The next episode that we have will be Monday, January 2nd, right? So we'll officially be into 2023. Uh, but the very next weekend, right? January 6th, 7th, and 8th is our uh, our uh, yearly Dicomio side, right? Um, it's our kickoff uh, seminar for the year. Uh, we do kind of a belated birthday thing for Hatsumi Sensei. That's my birthday weekend. Uh, so uh, this year's kind of uh, special. We're going to be restarting uh, a active meditation kind of thing that's wrapped around in, th- in this context, in this manifestation, is wrapped around goal setting, right? So uh, whether you're there live or you're on the virtual uh, thing or I don't know. You want you don't want to do any of that stuff because uh, I don't know. Uh, you don't want to tie it to for me. That's all cool, right? Uh, but we will have an option up and out for anybody who wants to um, to participate in that particular part. That's going to be Sunday afternoon, uh, 1:30 p.m. Eastern. So uh, adjust things and whatnot. We'll get a, a sign up sheet or a sign up system and all that kind of stuff out and everything right uh the topics ish right uh are available on uh, the online ninja academy site at online ninja com forward slash events so i had to readjust some things because our dicomio site kind of got pushed down a little bit but it's the very first uh first thing see a couple of bullet points about um uh you know topics what we're really going to be focusing on uh, the big theme, my theme, right, because I've got a couple of my guys doing breakout sessions uh, uh, each day in the afternoon. But my theme, my focus during this uh, this training is going to be on the different ways that you can learn from kata, the different ways you can do the same kata, same steps, all that kind of stuff, right? But by shifting your perspective to... Uh, what you want to get out of it, right? Um, everything changes, right? So we're going to be looking at it. Uh, most people look at it as a, here's a fight scenario. Here's, you know, the physical things. Here's the way to get to lock this guy up, take him down and all that, right? But we're going to look at it from uh, attacker, uh, defender, uh, psychology. We're going to take a look at it from the perspective of uh, fight timing, right, and how to change that. We're going to take a look at it from the perspective of what happens if I'm moving down the line here and he does something or something changes and it derails me, right, knocks me off uh, off track with the way I'm trying to finish, right? Because um, if, you, if you look at kata, right, kata are really about uh, conflict resolution, right? Each one, I mean, if you look across all of the kata and all the lineages and whatnot, God, probably 70% of them start exactly the same way, right? Your come on may be different or whatever, but here comes a punch and you're doing this thing, right? But how do you end it? How do you finish this thing? How's the person taken down, right? Um, that kind of thing, right? So th- this is teaching strategic outcomes, right? And so what if, right? What if you're one of my law enforcement guys, security guys, somebody's in your house, whatever, 
And it's not just about win or lose. It's I need to get this person into a particular position. I need to get him back out the same door he came in, whatever, right? I need to keep him away from my kids. Then everything that we do has to steer them, right? So we're not going to be looking at all those variables. We're going to be looking at given kata and recognizing that there's an end goal. There's an end game, right? So what if, right? We're moving down the line and we get derailed from this thing, right? How do we catch it? How do we get back on track and end the same way we had originally intended, right? Does that mean you're going to do a kata as is in a fight? No, it's not about that. But it is about if I have an agenda, right, trying to keep them away from my, my wife, right, and all of a sudden something changes and things are either holding in place or start to shift in the direction where she's, you know, hanging out or whatever, right? How do I deal with that in a way that allows me to get back on track with the kata? We're also going to look at and take a look at the kata from the perspective of being snapshots in time, moments and opportunities and potentials in a fight. And we're going to look at how a kata could be the whole fight, could be the beginning of the fight with something uh, coming after, could be the middle of the fight where something came before it and something's going to come after could be the end of the fight where something came before it and then, right? Which means we have to look at how kata fail and then recognize that the end of one, right, any technique, right, could be kata technique, could be physical skill set like mushadori, onikodaki, whatever, right? And how the failing of any given technique is actually the setup for something completely different. And if it is, or if it isn't, well, then you're either dead or dying. So, right, the ability to, to work with those things. So when we say that kata are models, we don't just mean for the physical step-by-step -step how to win a fight kind of thing. There's a whole bunch of soft skills and a whole bunch of tactical application, strategic lessons and things like that that can come from these things. So and the cool thing about this is it's not going to matter what kata I choose for the weekend. I'm probably going to choose things that most people are familiar with, but you'll be able to take that those 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 uh, perspectives and overlay them over anything else. Okay, um, yeah. So anyway, it, it'll be a cool thing. I've got a whole long list of things that I've learned from teachers about the perspectives. I may be able to touch on maybe half a dozen, maybe for the entire weekend. Okay, so hopefully you can make it. If not, well. Videos will be available and all that, but hopefully you can make it. I mean, if you're on, if you're obviously you're there live, right, then I can check you out, right? Uh, if you're on virtual, then you get to ask questions in real time. You get critique in real time, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you get the videos, well, then, you know, do it, do it on your own, right? So anyway, uh, all right, now that I've eaten up a whole bunch of time, James, anybody uh, answer my questions about slumps and frustration and all that? Anybody? Uh, Lee said he can sometimes get too, quote, comfortable. Hold on one second. I think I need to turn my volume up here. Okay. Say that again. I'm sorry. Lee said that sometimes he can get too, quote, comfortable. Ah, comfortable. What does that mean? As in, like, you're okay with your, your techniques and skills at that point? In what way does one get comfortable? 
Are we satisfied with the progress we've made? Uh, are we comfortable in life? And therefore, because I mentioned something earlier, and I'm, I'm, I, I know Lee, so this is not what I'm hinting at for Lee. But when I fired up the, the podcast, what did I say? Last week, I wasn't sure if I was going to do one, right? We could have done a recording, whatever, right? Because I didn't want people to get out of the habit of being on, right? Which was kind of the, the formal day, right? The obvious kind of thing, right? If, if I allow you to get out of habit, right, um, then once you start replacing that with something else, it becomes easier to do the new thing and harder and harder to do the old thing. The cool thing about training is that if you work it right, that's what happens, right? It makes that happen, right? Um, but if we don't know that that's a part, that's an aspect of training, then you know, all bets are off, right? So, but the Uda to it, the hidden side was um, midday today, I just got the itch. I mean, not, not that, you know, it no longer became about you. And obviously all the, all the episodes are about you. But it didn't become about you and your habits. It became about mine. And not like if I get out of habit, I'll slip. I mean, this is no longer something I do. It's so much a part of who I am that I began missing it hours before I was maybe not going to do it. And I sent a message to James and said, if I do a good end tonight, can you be available? The reality is it didn't matter what his answer was. I was going to do an episode. I just needed to know how to plan to know whether or not I was going to have my my tech guy, right, or whether I was going to be flying sober, okay? And that's, that's the difference. We've talked about that kind of stuff in the past where there's three different mindsets uh, in the instructor training program. Uh, James has been through the instructor training program twice. Three times, twice. I don't remember. Right, more than once. Right? <laughs> right, he just went through it again a couple of months ago. Right. So one of the things that's taught in the instructor training program is student mindset. Right, and the instructor needs to know what mindset, what phase, stage, whatever every given student is in at any given time, because that's going to affect how we present techniques and um, and critique, right? And also how we frame, pre-frame, and, and whatnot things to get them to the next stage, right? So first stage, right, is the hobby mindset, right? These are people that like martial arts, right? They want to train and all that kind of stuff, right? But think about hobbies, okay? They're things that we like to do. We enjoy them. We enjoy learning about them and all that kind of stuff, right? But when do we do them? When we have time, right? When we have time, okay? Then the next stage, right, is I call it the recreational stage. You can call it whatever you want, right? But at this stage, something is not only enjoyable to me, it's important enough for me to make time to do it, okay? To make time, right? Um, and if I'm... If I don't do it, frustration and things like that can happen, right? Because it's a habit, right? It's becoming more about, you know, 
the way I do things, right? I'm, it's a part of my day, that kind of thing, right? But there's a stage beyond that, okay? Stage beyond that is the lifestyle stage. And while lots of people would like to say that they are in the lifestyle stage, they maybe need to rethink that, okay? Because for somebody to be in the lifestyle stage, they can't not do this or whatever it is, right? It's no longer something they do. It's no longer something they make time for. It's something that's so much a part of them that they can't not do it, right? They're doing it when they're not even thinking about it, okay? And if they're not doing it, it's not like the habit phase, right, that recreational kind of thing, where if they're not doing it, they feel um, like they get frustrated because, like, this is my training time. This is my, this is my bowling night. This is my whatever, right? If they're not doing it, they feel like a part of them is missing. They feel off. Right. There's that feeling that we have when we're getting ill or that that, you know, when there's somebody that you know, like there's a family member, we're missing them or whatever. There's a piece of me that's missing. Something's not operating correctly. So this stops being something I do and becomes so much a part of who I am that I can't not do it. It's like breathing. OK, it's. So each of these, right? So one of the instructors in our instructor training program, um, my instructor candidates are taught that one of the responsibilities of an instructor is get is to be able to get somebody who's in the hobby state, hobby mindset, to the recreational mindset, and the recreational mindsets to the lifestyle mindsets, because the the percentage of or chances of people quitting at each phase changes drastically. Most of the drop off is in the hobby stage. You get less drop off in the recreational stage. Once somebody hits lifestyle stage, I could close my dojo and we could train in, I don't know, some backwoods park or something like that. And I know the students. I can count them on, well, at this point, I can count them on two hands, right? That would show up no matter what. No matter what. Okay? Um, and they will train no matter what. Okay? So anyway, again, this was not anything about Lee or whatever, but you know, comfort's a, a thing, right? We all get comfortable, right? But um, anyway, what else we got? So Lee said, I get relaxed and think not that I am good enough, but about what do I need this much detail for? I also forget that it's so fun. I need, I know I need to read more books and reread some of the old ones. The off feeling has gotten too comfortable. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else? No, sir. Okay. How about you? Put you. I'll throw you under the bus. <laughs> what about frustrations and slumps for you? You ever had one? Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've run into plenty. I mean, a lot of frustration is. is um, <clears throat> especially the things that seem like they should be like super easy and they never are. And I'll get stuck. Usually I get stuck in my own head trying to analyze something. And then like the harder I go at it, the more it doesn't work and I'll get stuck and I'll, I'll just like keep with it, like outside of class and everything. And just like banging your head off a wall kind of thing, trying to figure 
something out why something's not working or okay what what have you found to work to break the slump or to ease the frustration or whatever usually that is to depending on what level of frustration it is is to just stop and leave it alone for a little bit or hmm. maybe reverse engineer it back further than what I where I think the problem is because uh I've learned well more recently I've learned that it's not necessarily where you think it is but it's steps before that that you're just overlooking because you think it's right or just yeah. wait and you know come to class and be like what the hell am I doing wrong this is what I'm doing and leave one of you guys break it down for me <laughs> Right. So, um, but what did they all have in common? Even if you let a lesson go, does that mean that you've stopped training? No. You just ignore that one for a while, right? Go off and do something else. And next thing you know, right, somehow that worked itself out, right? So, and I've, I've done all those things, right? So, um, but the, the trick is to keep going, right? which is one of the meanings behind Hatsumi Sensei's keep going, right? That everybody liked to parrot over and over and over again because um, for a lot of people, it was more about sounding like you were the grandmaster than it was about actually like, you know, doing the lessons, right? Anyway, so um, uh, somebody that I trained with, I, I, I can't call him friend because um, we don't know each other to the degree that I would use the word friend. Um, training peer, whatever. Duncan Stewart, right? He has the Bujinkan Tasmania uh, Budo Dojo. Uh, where is he? In um, New Zealand? I think. New Zealand. Is that right? It's not Australia, is he? I thought it was Australia. Okay, well, either way, right? Down under. No, Tasmania. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Tasmania. Anyway, so um, he had posted online, uh, he's done this occasionally, right? These little quotes from what somebody said, say, and this this was actually like one of those, well, shit, I've just been thinking about all this stuff, right? So it's actually a quote uh, from one of Hatsumi Sensei's writings that um, I'd like to break into two parts. Um, two parts? Yeah, two parts, right? Uh, that actually discusses this idea of these these slumps and frustration and things like that, right? Um, and then we'll dive into these notes that I scribbled out here in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before class started. So um, anyway, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to read from this quote. Again, if you're on audio, you, you know, whatever, you won't see that I'm looking off to the side. For those of you watching the video, I'm just reading from other notes. Okay. So anyway, again, these are, this is uh, something that was written by Hatsumi Sensei a long time ago. All right. So um, in your training career, there may come a time when you find yourself frustrated and disgusted with what you feel to be your own dullness. You just cannot get the techniques right. Your training just does not seem to go the way you want it to. I consider this slump period to be absolutely necessary for your own growth. Your sense of frustration and constriction leads you to the breakthrough you need for advancement. Like a snake that struggles to shed its skin so that it can grow larger, the martial artist, too, must pass these inevitable stages of molting for growth. 
This molting period can be a dangerous time for the unweary, however. Because of the frustration experience in working through your current training barrier, no matter what it is, you can become an easy victim to the seductive allure of all the other martial technique systems that suddenly seem to appear to be so much more desirable or glamorous than your own system. Just as one child is always more impressed with the toys of another child, it is a common weakness for students to reach a point of tough going and then suddenly look to the other martial arts as a form of distraction. Anything and everything else suddenly looks so good. Use your commitment to consistency, work, uh, use your commitment to consistency to work through these difficult periods. Keep going. Okay. Anybody ever experienced that? I call it the shiny syndrome, shiny object syndrome, right? Uh, and that's actually one of the things that are on here. So again, this points out one of the possible little problems that can happen, right? Um, what I want to dive into is kind of the mental state, right? Why these things happen, how they happen, right? So causes of frustration, the uh, couple of things that frustration itself causes to happen. Remember, this is all karma, right? Cause and effect, not karma as in destiny, fate, whatever, right? It's things lead to other things, right? So causes of frustration, three things that frustration itself causes to happen. And then I want to take a look at three types of quitting, okay? So were there any other questions or comments leading up to this that I should cover before I jump into this? Well, Lee said the called it the green grass phenom. Yeah, yeah, the greenest green. Or what is it? The grass is always greener over the septic tank, right? <laughs> or it's always. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that, right? Lots of fertilizer, <laughs> um, or the grass is always greener in your neighbor's yard, or whatever, right? That comes out of envy, pride too. Um, it's a huge part of the the mandala. Right. So anyway, I want everybody to be really, really clear. Those were not my words. Uh, that was uh, a transcription from something that Asmisitse had uh, written, and um, it was something that uh, uh, Duncan had posted uh, on his uh, Bujinghan Tasmania Budo Dojo uh, Facebook page. Right. So um, anyway, all right. So let's take a look at three causes of frustration. Now there are three. But there are still these little branches and what it could look like. And please note that due to the amount of time that we have and the fact that most of you aren't personal students and we're not diving into this as a life mastery private lesson and all that, right? Uh, I'm going to keep this pretty high level. And when I say high level, I mean like the, uh, the hot air balloon over a sports stadium picture kind of thing, right? Uh, I can only go into so much detail. And this is not an all-inclusive list, okay? Nothing in this art, nothing that your teacher ever teaches, and anybody who says differently, you should run from them, right? Kind of like somebody who says, this is an unbeatable technique. Run. Don't walk. Run, okay? Um, nothing is ever to be taken literally or implied that this is all there is, okay? It's this quickest road to stagnation, ruin, right? Megalomania, right? 
all that stuff, right? So anyway, so let's dive into the uh, the causes of frustration, right? And I'm going to kind of stick to the San Mitsu as a framework, right? It's both a huge part of the Gyoko school, the three-in-one, one-in-three principle, right? Uh, Gyoko to you, the San Mitsu, thought, word, deed, that kind of thing. So I'm going to kind of stick to that framework just to kind of keep things um, fairly easy, all right? So cause of the frustration. One, on the physical side, we're looking at skill-based stuff, which is something that uh, that James alluded to, right? So um, we're we're having we're having a problem where we can't get the technique, right? That we feel like we can't get it, right? Uh, and this is going to show up again later, but we have to remember that the reason we can't get something is going to be different in each phase, right? There's different reasons why we can't uh, get something, right? So the physical skill-based phase, the reason why we can't get it is uh, it could be uh, stemming from like physical coordination, right? Uh, lack of flexibility, insufficient strength, those kind of things, right? Or it could be a problem with our fundamentals. When I say fundamentals, I mean anything that we needed to have down pat before we could do this given technique, okay? Uh, my, my personal students, at least the ones that have been around for a while, you know that zero point training, uh, sheet that I give you, right? Where, uh, it has, uh, zero in the middle with a bunch of these horizontal lines, right? And then it's, uh, uh, you could have plus one through plus ten. I just have everybody just write a plus five, about five lines up and plus ten, ten lines up. Could there be less? Could there be more? Yeah, of course, right? And then below that, right, we're going to play algebra, right? There's a minus 5 and a minus 10, a whole bunch of lines, right? 10 lines below the zero line, 10 lines above, whatever, right? It's kind of a way to gauge where we are, right? The, what we write on the zero point line, right, is the technique we're working on, okay? Could be a kion, could be a kion technique, could be ichimonji, hicho, whatever, right? No kata, uh, could be whatever, right? Could be seon, could be tangeki, whatever, right? So all of the negative lines below the zero line are all of the kihon no kihon, all of the things we have to have down to be able to do the technique itself correctly, right? Most people look at it like, well, this is this is where you start. The technique is where you start. No, it isn't, right? You, you have to learn all these other things. Right. Um, first time I trained with Manaka Shihan uh, when he was still in the Bujinkan way back in when was it? A uh, long time ago. Um, <laughs> probably before some of you guys were even bored. Uh, Eighty something. Right. Anyway, um, we were doing the, the Gyoko to use Kionapo, and like we all we, we started with okay, this is Ichimozu no Kata or Ichimozu no Kamai and whatever, and so I'm looking around like. Um, I think we all got this one. I, I mean, if, if you're teaching it because there might be a couple of newbies in the thing, then probably not the, except he went in really, really deep, right? Kion, right? Ichimonji no kata, or Ichimonji no kamai, and then we did Ichimonji no kata, and then we did, uh, I don't know, Hicho no kamai, then we did Hicho no kata. And I'm thinking, okay, well, okay, right? But the biggest thing I pulled out of that was he said, first you learn the kamai, and then you learn the kata, but you don't learn the kata like it's this solo thing, right? 
Here is an, an example for how to use this kamai in combat, right? And then the Kionapo principle kicks in. Eight variations of this, eight variations of each variation, eight variations of, you get the idea, right? So, um, really, really cool stuff. But, so, so there's all these things we need to be able to do to do the technique correctly, and then all of the positive lines to plus 10. Plus 10, that line, right, is street ready. This technique or this skill or whatever is street ready, which means all those other lines, right, well, shit, what, I've got the technique. Of course it's street ready. Really, you can do that kata against a hook punch. You can do that kata against somebody swinging a baseball bat or a pool cue at you. You can do that kata. Maybe not the whole kata. What about just the kamai? Right? Whatever, right? So there's all these like drills and things like that that we give people to get things to street ready without changing. Did that come across? Right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody gets, and I'll talk about this later as the frustration things go on, but um, people, what, what they do is people will get frustrated because they can't do something the way it was passed down. So what will happen is they'll start thinking, well, like, well, that, that, that doesn't work or that doesn't work for me or whatever, right? So what do they do? They just do it, quote, unquote, their way, right? Uh, well, that's okay. But is your way actually a variation of the way it's supposed to be done or the reason that it works? Or you're just going to throw in something because you can't really do this other thing? Okay? So anyway, rhetorical question. So um, again, one of two reasons that we can't get it from a physical level that causes frustration, right, is either, again, physical coordination, something about my physical makeup, physical coordination, flexibility, strength, or whatever, right? Okay. Um, or there's a problem with my fundamentals, the things that I have to have in place. I remember one time I was in Japan uh, training, had a bunch of my students there. And right next to me, there was a couple, and this, the one guy was like a 6 degree black belt, but they're having a problem with this technique, right? This, this whole thing that Hatsumi Sensei had taught, and I leaned over and I said, that little thing right there is an onikudaki, and then you're escaping from the onikudaki. And like the 6 degree looked at me and said, is that one of those like kihon techniques that you have to like learn basic cut? And I said, uh, yeah, kinda, right? And he goes, oh, well, I made it to sixth on without it, so you know, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. Keep on going. Great. Okay. Well, there's a reason you can't. You're having a problem with this freaking thing because there's a part of it that's a keyhole for the whole damn art, and right. But I do the same thing the penguins of Madagascar did. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Right. Nice talking to you. Okay. All right, so physical, right? From a mental perspective, right, um, this can take uh, two different directions. One, it can be a skill knowledge kind of thing where I can't get it, but in this case, I can't get my head wrapped around it. I think that was a phrase that, that James used earlier, right? Can't get my head wrapped around it, but it's not a physical issue, like step-by-step, step, right? What I can't get is, like, am I missing something tactically? Am I missing something 
strategic, whatever, right? There's got to be something off timing. There's got to be something off, right? How would I even use this kind of thing, right? I'm having a hard time getting my, my head wrapped around <coughs> the thing, right? So, and then that, that ignorance, confusion, um, whatever is causing me to use my body incorrectly. I'm going at the wrong angle. The timing is off. Whatever, right? Okay. Um, James is really, really tall compared to me, right? I mean, like tall, right? So if James doesn't make the requisite adjustments for his leg length, arm length, distance, all that kind of stuff, right? And he's trying to copy what he sees me doing, distance, reach, and all that kind of stuff, angle, right? He's going to have a hard time because, one, he's going to be in range, right? And, two, um, he's, everything's going to be off. The angling and everything's going to be off, right? So he has to make that, has to make that translation. The second... The other way mentally that uh, frustration can be caused is that we think we have it, right? But we don't, okay? So what I mean is I think I understand it, and I'm basing, you know, I'm, I'm just operating based on the fact that I've, I've got this, right? But life is always a litmus test of our BS, right? No matter what you think you have, Right? What is life showing back? Okay? And if it's not showing back what you think it should be showing back, then there's a problem. And the problem is not with life. Okay? Although ego likes to make it about life because, you know, if everybody could just get with the damn script, they'd all be happy. Right? And that's kind of the way it works, right? All right. So um, this, this came up a couple of episodes ago. When I talked about the number one question to ask a mentor, right? But we can ask any teacher this question if we're having a problem. And, and often we do, right? We'll go, since I'm not getting this, what am I missing, right? Naturally, that question comes out, right? But the times that it doesn't come out is when somebody is so hell-bent, fire, they're just so sure that they know how it works, that no matter what the teacher says, no matter what anybody else says or whatever, it's not going to matter, okay? And a friend who, like, major frustration, major depression, whatever, right? Um, even with a counselor, right? Fires every counselor, okay? Because no matter what the counselor presents, this person is absolutely not open to alternate perspectives, right? What they're looking for is a counselor or... Uh, a helper or uh, or uh, suggestions or whatever that will allow them to use the belief system that's causing the problems but make it work. That's what they're looking for, right? So what ends up happening is, in this case, we become the reason for our own frustration, right? And we think we know, okay? Well, and uh, that was something I had first had first hand uh, uh, experience with, uh, I, I always knew that one little saying that, you know, you know, the, the one where it says, um, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Yeah, there's another one that counterbalances that one, right? The quickest way to make a teacher go away is to use two magic words. What are the words, James? I know. <clears throat> I know. Yeah, I know, right? 
hey, make sure your foot, you know, your footwork, or that I know. Well, I didn't just like wander across the room and pick you out of the crowd and give you this uh, this thing about footwork if you weren't making the freaking mistake that I'm pointing out. But if you're going to say, I know, well, what my teacher did, and this was a Friday evening of a full weekend seminar, right? Patted me on the shoulder and said, oh, okay. Didn't talk to me for the rest of the freaking weekend. Well, he did. At one point, I went up to ask a question. I turned and laser beams right through the eyes, and he said, you apparently know everything, so go figure it out. You don't need me. Guess what I never, ever, 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 ever said again to a teacher. I know. Really? Shit, why bother bother showing up for class? Okay. So, anyway, and then the third one, from an emotional, spiritual feel kind of thing, a lot of you know that's one of my pet peeves in the world, not because I was an English major, right? I just makes me grind my molars to nothing when somebody uses the word feel where the word think belongs. I know everybody uses it. I know it's the new mass hypnosis bullshit that goes on, right? As your mom said, doesn't mean you have to do it, right? One of the things on the mandala, one of the key aspects of enlightenment is precision. Precision of movement, precision of thinking, right? Being appropriate for the moment. And that starts with the way we communicate. Our words are the bridge between our inner world and the outer world. It doesn't just affect that out there. It also affects mine. And if I use the wrong words, guess what? I change the whole definition of the thing I'm trying to process, and I'm going to get different results. What's that thing that that, uh, computer guys use? Gigo? Garbage in, garbage out? Right? So... All right, so from a feel, from an emotional, spiritual, when I say spiritual, not religious, right? I gotta tiptoe on eggshells sometimes, unless you're one of my Shinobi Kai guys, in which case you sign a, you sign a, uh, an agreement that these things that are listed, you're not gonna have a problem with in class, and if you are, you're gonna keep that all reined in, cause I'm not walking on eggshells for that level of student. It's just not gonna happen, right? For everybody else in this kind of context, right, got to make sure I'm real clear so I don't right, burn somebody's butthole with my cigar smoke, my, my lit cigar or whatever. Okay, so anyway, again, this can take kind of the, the why in the road, right? Okay, so from uh, from one perspective, frustration can be caused because we're not getting the validation that we're really looking for, right? We're not looking for the skills or we're looking for the skills to get validation from others, see see what I can do, right? Um, but this is often tied to belts. It's tied to whatever, right? So I'm not getting validation, which is really about ego, right? Um, so I'll come back to that one again because both of these things are about something missing, right? So the second way, right, is it could be about training, right, not getting training. So on one side, there's this negative feeling, right? There's anger, envy, all kinds of crap going on, right? Because uh, we're either not getting validation or we're not getting the training. So if it's not getting validation, that's an ego issue, right? Something's missing that I need to give credibility to me, right? 
my existence, my worth, my value, that kind of stuff, right? From the other perspective, it's a lifestyle thing, right? Talked about that earlier, right? It's a lifestyle thing. So something is missing that is an integral part of me, okay? If I'm not training, if I'm not getting the training, and this is, there's, there's a lot of people that have never trained but have always wanted to, right? And they just feel like there's this grander purpose, there's all this other stuff, right? There's this inner expression of themselves, they've got this inner warrior side, whatever, right? And they're not, they're not living to that thing, right? It's not about the belts or anything like that. It's like living to this life purpose or ideal. Does that make sense? James, that makes sense? Yes. Okay. There's there's this thing that's right. I'm meant for more, right? I've got this side, I've got these drives, all that kind of stuff, and they're not being they're not being nurtured. I'm, I'm not getting what I need to manifest that side of myself. Right. So it's it's not an ego me 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 kind of thing like i need to pile external things on top of me to make me look cool to give me value or whatever there are these inner drives that are so much a part of me that like it's it's painful i'm not i'm not able to do these things right okay so anyway any questions on those before I shift into the three things that frustration causes to happen. Anything. James? Uh, no questions. Tori had a comment that I'm Christian, but this level of thinking is what some Christians miss. It really requires open eyes and a mind to navigate this world, people, places, and things. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so this is not, um, this is not about a religion or whatever. There's been a lot of people that I've met that um, are one religion or another, denomination, whatever, right? And so there's lots of aspects of the training that they won't jump into, either because they were taught or because they believe that that somehow violates whatever, right? But it's not about that. Um, I just had a conversation not too long ago with one of my inner circle guys who is a Jesuit priest um, and we were talking about um, how a lot of people fall into this one thing where, you know, it's, it's about how I look, right? So they go to church because they were taught that that's what good people do, or they go to church because, like, if they didn't, what would people say kind of thing, right? Or they go to church and they play the role, right, of a good Christian parishioner, whatever, right? And the thing happens in Buddhism and all that, too. In Buddhism, there's a thing, um, there's a, uh, a delineation between a, uh, a, it's either a brass or copper Buddha or Buddhist and a gold Buddhist, right? Do you know the difference, right? Because they're both shiny, right? A brass Buddhist and a, and a gold Buddhist, right? One goes through the motions for appearances, right? And the other one, it's, it's about, you know, getting the lessons and, and things like that, right? But what we were talking about was how some people go to church because um, they sell cars or insurance, and that's how they stay connected to the people that are prospects or they whatever, right? 
they sell Avon or they, whatever, right? And it's it's a networking opportunity. It's not about what they're supposed to be getting out of church. Does that make sense, right? Well, I already know that stuff, right? I already believe in God. I already, okay. Um, so they're not going to get the sermon to, you know, to ponder that. Am I really living to these ideals? Does this make sense for it? Whatever, right? Um, it's it's for completely different reasons. So I, I get it, right? I get it. Um, I, had, I had friends who got involved in uh, some certain parts of training when I was coming up through the ranks. And what it really came down to was um, part of part, some of these guys were terrified that it was going to somehow violate um, some religious things. Other ones um, never thought they were really going to need it. Um, or this is like stupid woo woo or whatever, right? And but for all of them, what it came down to was, well, like I bit the bullet because I didn't want to feel like I was missing something. Shit. Okay. I mean, I, those people can learn and, and gain uh, a lot of headway in spite of themselves, right? But man, can you imagine the kind of frustration and anguish they're going through, right? I mean, there is a part of that training right if you really trust your teacher and your teacher says you need to do this stuff right um i've never had a problem with that um as well as the frustration too because those of you who know my backstory um really hard to make something hurt worse than pain and i've already put up with that all the way to 18 so right i couldn't believe the number of people that were like oh that that really hurt and i'm like shit <laughs> yeah it hurt but you know, so anyway, anybody else, James? Oh, Lee just asked, is that like getting lost in the refuge of the community, forgetting the technique and teacher refuge? Yeah, for some people, um, this, this is a part of the uh, the wind realm as well, where there's really no anchoring. There's no anchor point. Right. So um, being a part of the group is more important then why you're a part of the group or uh, what what you're supposed to be doing lesson wise, right? Just like you know, people go to church, right? And so they know all the core tenets and so they go through the motions, right? And think about it, right? Parents will shush their children and all that kind of stuff because there's this rule set, right? You do these things. This is what we do, right? And the quickest most succinct question you can ask someone to get the answer, right, or to find out if they're on the brass side or the gold side, is to is to ask, why do we do that? Uh, okay, because you're gonna get one of three answers. You're gonna get a deep, thoughtful, you know, this is or this is what I think the purpose is behind it, right? Or you're gonna get a quotation right a recitation from a piece of scripture or some book or whatever right the official words or you're going to get that crickets deer in the headlight look whatever right or in lieu of that you're going to get the uh, it's just what we do okay so yeah um uh and i'm not throwing these things out to, to to kind of um, I'm not trying to pin anybody down, right? I throw these things out so that 
you can think about this even partially to the degree that I have, right? Because one of the things that I think people are missing when they're training in martial arts specifically for self-protection is studying what causes conflict. If you know what causes conflict, you have a whole other set of tools. You can either push people to it. You can stall people before they're ready to go. Or you can navigate so that, right, you're never seen as a target. Right? So it's very, very different, right? Um, but, right, and, and the, the, the first lessons I got was in recognizing, right, we, we study ourselves, seishin teki. If I start to understand what causes aggression, anger, right, all those kind of things in me, right, the need for aggression, those kind of things, right, or the, the, the urge to reach out or whatever, I'm not going to know across all personality types, but I got a huge heads up as a baseline for some people. Reminds me of the, the story of how the um, the behavioral studies unit was founded in the FBI, right? Um, you guys know this. They had Criminal Minds and a couple of other TV shows, but there was a it was a series, but it was almost like a docudrama kind of thing, right? Was it called um, Mind? What's it called? Not Mind Trap. Mind. Either way, right? Where they they ended up uh, uh, interviewing all these serial killers and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about, James? Right? Um, Vaguely. Yeah, but anyway, right? It it ran the actual story of how this thing got formulated and whatnot, right? And um, they started with, because they only had like one or two to work off of, right? They, they had this whole playbook. And then they started bumping into other ones, right? And next thing you know, you got a whole bunch of them. So, right, now we know how to type them because if they've got this, this, and this, but not this, they're this type of serial killer. If they've got this and this, but not these two things, but this other thing, they're this type of, and it's, it's really easy to track these people down because, you know, we'd all like to believe that we're uh, unique, right? Um, and there's the hazard, right? The more unique we think we are, the more average we probably are, right? It's the humility of believing that you're average and knowing that and then continuing to work on things that actually starts to make the biggest differences, right? Because everybody thinks that, you know, they've got their shit together and nobody else understands. Maybe that's the problem. The teacher does understand, right? So, and hopefully, hopefully you picked a teacher that's like that. Otherwise, um, they're not a challenge, right? So anyway, that, and that goes to that ego thing that I was talking about too, right? Um, I had a teacher a long time ago. Um, he was pointing out um, this ego thing. He said, look, you know, if you, you know, if you as a student think that you're as good as or almost as good as your teacher, right, then only one of two things is going on. Either you're right and you've either you're about to outgrow them 
or they didn't know that very that much to begin with, right? And you just jumped on somebody because they could learn you something, right? Um, or you're deluded, right? You're a narcissist, right? And you're not as good as you think you are, right? But you believe you are. But in, in either case, you need a new teacher, okay? Because in one case, I need somebody who can take me to the next level. And in the other case, I need somebody who's going to challenge me because this one hasn't shown me the errors of my diluted thinking, right? So interesting stuff, right? But nobody likes that, right? Because ego doesn't like to be put in its place. It likes to believe that it already knows everything. That's why that's why ego goes in search of things it already believes in, right? Teachers that are already teaching what it thinks it already knows, right? Um, all it wants is, you know, new tricky combinations or whatever, right? Um, ego typically does not go searching for things that are outside of its comfort zone or outside of its its predetermined godlike purview. Okay. I know that rubs, rubs religion the wrong way, but if we're ever doing something, we assume ourselves to be right no matter what, right? Then in that instance, we have assumed ourselves God. Okay. I know we wouldn't use those words because that's blasphemy, but it doesn't make it not true. Because okay. that's also ego filtering things out that I can't use definitions like that because that's, that's, you know, no man's land. But that's no different than other people telling you what you, what words you can use and what, whatever, right? So. Anyway, all right, are we good? Anything else? Lee's wife said that show was called Mind Hunter. There you go. Thanks, Lee's wife. Thanks, Melanie. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Mind Hunter. That was a, I was so disappointed when that, uh, that was canceled. Anyway, all right, so, okay, so let's keep going, right? Uh, three things that frustration itself causes or causes to happen, right? So again, we're going to go through the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, that kind of thing, right? So, on a physical level, it causes pain, actual physical pain, discomfort, suffering, okay? It does it um, like we're trying to get the technique, right? So this is like a, uh, I, I call it a psycho-emotional kind of thing, right? It's, it's stress, okay? So we're trying to get the technique, right? James was talking about trying to get a physical technique, whatever, right? We're trying to get it, but like... It's it's causing some, you know, frustration and and depression, all that kind of stuff, right? Can can manifest physically, right? So it can be it can really be uh, painful, right? Or um, <laughs> or <laughs> this is a sub branch of that one, right? It can be painful, right? Because we're still trying to do it. But what a lot of people end up doing is they try to do it faster or harder to make the technique work. And what happens when you do a technique that's wrong faster or harder? Now it's wrong faster or harder, right? But you also up the ante on getting hurt because you're putting more effort and energy into it. And when things go awry, they can really go, right? You can tweak yourself. You can hurt your training partner. That's going to cause a different type of uh you know, psycho-emotional pain, all that kind of stuff, right? So um, just had a student not too long ago. He's recovering from a shoulder injury because the angle on a roll was off. 
and had a little bit of a shoulder strain, almost a dislocation um, kind of thing, right? So, I mean, we've all had those. Well, and if you haven't, it's kind of like what I say about training weapons, training tools in the dojo, right? If your training tools do not have dings in them, they're not training tools, they're decorations, okay? And that goes for, uh, you know, not having, not getting bruises or feeling what a technique will do, right? Uh, that's one of those confusion things because people hear this soft training thing all the time, right? Uh, you know, sensei says, right? All the teachers say, don't hurt your training partner. Okay, let's, let's translate that from the Japanese into English correctly. Don't go out of your way to hurt your partner. Don't try to make the technique work because it's not a correctly applied technique, even slowly and softly. Hurts. That's your litmus test. So slow, soft training. It's a safety valve. It's a safety mechanism, but it, right? And that 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 was validated through our conversation with Isuzu Sensei, right? I was called old school because, like, when I were, when I was working with people, right? It hurt or it tweaked or whatever. Oh, you're old school. You're putting in too much power. No, I promise I'm not. I'm just soft. I can't go softer than that because the technique won't work. Right? Harder than that, and I'm wasting energy. So no, I'm not. Right? So I was talking to him about this. Right? I keep being told I'm old school, and he's he goes old school. What is this old school? And I told him, and I said I was taught that when a technique is correct, you don't have to try to make it hurt. It will hurt all by itself. And he said, yes. I said, well, they're calling that old school. He goes, hmm, <laughs> well, I'm old school too, right? So um, interesting stuff, right? But people, uh, you know, ego, again, ego slips in. But anyway, so on the physical side, right, we're trying to get it, right? We could end up physically getting hurt or it could just the anguish, right? The frustration and all that can cause physical pain, right? On another side is... Uh, pain, discomfort, suffering, or whatever, right? where um, to get, we're trying to get the training, right? We're trying to get it. We're trying to get to a dojo. We're trying to hope, hope until my praying hands catch on fire, that a dojo opens in my town so I don't have to do the hard work that other teachers have done or other practitioners have done to go, because I can't, right? And so we're causing all this freaking frustration and all that kind of stuff, running in circles in an endless loop of trying to get something, but we can't get it because, right? Uh, who knows? Family obligations, domineering spouse, uh, not enough money, uh, schedule sucks, can't not binge watch. I just heard like... Something called Netflixing and chilling. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. Anyway, right? So, um, but uh, they, we're trying to get it, but we can't, right? We just, or we don't know how, right? Or we know how we have to do it, but again, we're trying to hope and wish and whatever, so that it'll be provided so we don't have to do the hard stuff. That's uncomfortable, right? But we're left with the, I really want to, but I can't. 
I really want to, but I can't. And it's easier to lash out at, you know, whoever's, you know, like if I tell somebody, look, you know, we put together a little schedule here. Sometimes training is better than nothing. Right. And, you know, here's how I did it. Oh, you don't understand. You're an ass just like everybody else. And well, I guess so. <laughs> guess so. If I was poor and halfway around the frickin' planet and I could still do it, um, then no, there's nothing special about me, right? There was nothing special. There was a deep burning desire to get it, no matter what, and to figure out how to make that happen. In spite of, not, not do it because of, right? There's a huge difference between reasons and excuses. And most people's reasons are excuses. They just don't like using the word because it sounds bad. Okay? You can tell me your reason, but if I know it's an excuse, right, then you know, well, I can't get there because I was born with like half a body. There's still some time to do that you can do. There's still. So, la, 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 la. For those of you on audio only, I just stuck my fingers in my ear and did the whole Three-year-old, not listening to you. Anyway, second uh, thing that frustration causes from a mental side, again, pain, confusion, and distraction. So um, James had alluded to one of these when he was describing things at the very beginning, right? I can't get my head wrapped around this thing, right? And so um, people might not call frustration... Uh, and confusion, the same thing, but it is. They're on the same, on the same line, right? Just like uh, um, anger, right? Frustration is on the anger line, right? It's just you know, there's there's irritation, agitation, frustration, right? There's all these things all the way up to blind killer rage, right? So if we understand how to position these things, then we recognize that this is coming out of it's coming out of the water realm. It's coming out of this this mental, you know, uh, kind of thing, right? But anyway, right? So I can't get my head wrapped around it, right? Um, and so uh, I can't get my head wrapped around. Um, what part of my abilities, what part of my beliefs, what part of my understanding, what part, right? Okay, so in on, on the Kombokai mandala, there are these nine panels. If you've ever seen this thing, right? It looks three across, three down kind of thing, right? The lower right panel, right? That whole panel depicts this part of the enlightenment process. And when I say enlightenment, we're talking about being enlightened about any given thing, right? You can be enlightened about a kata, you mean enlightened about the art, you mean enlightened about yourself, you mean whatever, right? But we talk, we, we typically talk in terms of problems, right? So if I'm having a problem, let's say with a technique or a skill, I'm having a problem, that problem more often than not manifests as a feeling that something's off, or it could be better, or I'm missing something, or whatever, right? But it, at this stage, and I, like in an instant, I could know what that thing is, right? I could remember my teacher's lesson. Somebody could point it out, whatever, right? 
but it starts off with a feeling, right? Often a tactile feeling, right? That something's off, right? I look over to the student, I go, no, 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 that was fine. He goes, yeah, but that's not what you, that's not what you did. I'm missing something. I'm like, dude, you've only been training for three weeks, okay? That's good for where you are, right? If you're trying to do things like me, then you need another week or three, okay? So give yourself a break, right? Yes, there's things missing, but are you doing things well enough that you can handle like a lower level attacker, whatever, right? At this point, you got that part. It's, it's okay, right? We'll, we'll work on killers next week, okay? So, um, but you can't put your finger on it, right? There's this gnawing kind of thing. That's where frustration comes from. If we stay there too long, then we feel like we're in a slump, right? Or we're in a rut. You ever feel like you were stuck in a rut? Everybody know what a rut is, right? Wet, uh, uh, wet, uh, unpaved road, mud, tires have been in it, right? Here's this, here's this thing, right? Okay. Um, my, my Mikio teacher used to say, uh, the, the difference between a rut and a grave are the dimensions, right? And that's the only difference, right? So, uh, people you often will use that as a, as an excuse or words like it, right? Oh man, I'm just stuck in a rut. Okay, well, you decide to climb out, you let me know. Okay. Anyway, so um, so we can't we can't figure out what it is about our ability or knowledge or whatever, right? So we're just kind of kind of stuck with that, right? Um, the other one is the distraction, right? Often to alleviate the frustration, okay? Frustration can come because I don't feel like I'm making any progress, okay? Um, and so this is what Hasmussen was talking about, right? We get stuck in that slump, we get stuck in that dullness, or we think we know, right? And Or we're, we're getting bored, right, because we feel like we're doing the same things over and over again, right? And the reason for that is you're not applying anything new to stuff that you've learned, right? Okay. I tell my students all the time, let's say they're in mod one, which means they're in their first six months of training, there's three belt levels in there. And so when you move on to the next level, don't forget these techniques. And I mean, I don't mean don't forget them. I mean, don't forget to practice with them because you're learning new principles and concepts in this new phase. You're learning uh, your, your, your own physical skill is getting better, right? Your flow, your timing, your angling, all that, right? Go back and apply those to those techniques, those, those older techniques. They're going to change. If they don't change, you're not growing, right? If you're Nidan or Sandan, you're still doing techniques that you learned as a white belt the same way you did them as a white belt. Nothing changed. You're not, you're not a Nidan with those techniques or Sandan or whatever, right? You're, you got bell rank, but Right. So, but again, another one of those things that we need to remember is that when we learned something, right, not only was it presented in a way that was easy for a new person to learn it, right, based on your coordination, your strength level, whatever, right, but your knowledge and your perspective on things were way different than they are now. 
Okay? So I tell students, you know, pick a technique from mod one, and I go, look, there's a mod one way to do that technique. As a matter of fact, the end of mod one, getting ready to graduate to mod two, and I'm, there's a reason I don't use Q ranks for most of you guys, because it doesn't matter. What matters is the phase of training, right? But if the person actually has the technique, right, they've got the model, they, they understand it and whatnot, great. Now we start introducing Henka, right? Now here's the next piece of that. Here's where this starts to lead to, that kind of thing, because now we're going to make this shift, and I want to have them have that, that mindset, right? Um, but there's a mod one way to do that technique. There's a mod three way to do that same technique. There's a need-on way to do that same technique. There's an eighth-on way to do the same technique. And they don't look the same. They can look close, but often it'll look like, to somebody who's technique, model, oriented, it'll, they'll look like two completely different techniques. Right? So, because most people, again, don't know the difference between a henka and doing whatever the hell they want, right, uh, if it bit them in the ass. Right, they don't they don't understand it. Right? So anyway, all right. So um, but what ends up coming in here is again this kind of gets split as well, right? The new shiny object syndrome, which is uh, you know I feel like I've learned everything I can about this, or I'm getting bored, right? And so they they go jump and ship, right, to go look for something else. I'd be since they pointed that out in this little writing, right? Or um, here's that here's that little thing with growth as well. Okay, in the beginning, in the beginning, Sensei said no. Anyway, in the beginning, right? All lessons are freaking ginormous. Didn't matter if you learned a kamai or a whole technique or whatever, right? Every every class, right? Huge huge things, right? Oh, right. But the longer you're around, there's less and less big epiphanies to happen. So if your mindset doesn't shift along with that progress, you're more likely to jump ship and go train somewhere else and in a different art because what's going to happen? Brand new lessons. They're all big and ginormous. Right? But what ends up happening is you stay in perpetual white belt land. You're a beginner in a whole bunch of things, right? Mastery, as you as you go down the line, right? Like big techniques, right? Here's a technique, and there's a technique, and they don't cross. There's some well, they use the same kamai, but they're different. This one goes that way. This one goes this way, right? Okay. So every all my attention, right, is on fixing whatever's broken in that technique or whatever I can't do right in that technique, right? So the attention's all there. But at a certain part, part, a certain point, we have to realize that the technique is made up of waza, it's made up of principles and concepts, it's whatever, right? So when I get my head wrapped around something and I go, oh, that's what makes this technique work. What I also have to think is, holy shit, that's this tiny little thing. But if I apply that to all of my techniques, at the bare minimum, I will fix every other technique that has that one little footwork maneuver in it, that one little counter-strike timing, that whatever, right? 
But if I can see it on a principle and concept level, holy shit. So what advanced students see, and the reason why I used to go to the same seminars, well, they weren't the same physical seminars, right? But I would go to seminars, not just with my newer students, I'd take them to see my teacher and whatnot, and I would go to a level one seminar or a level two seminar or whatever, right? I've been to four of these already. Not one, two, three, four. I've been to, this is the fourth level two seminar. Why did I go? It wasn't to be a groupie and to hang out with my teacher. The same techniques, the same lessons are going to be taught. Maybe with a twist, right? There might be a hanka that I haven't seen or whatever, right? But my mindset was, regardless of what I paid for this, if I come back with one new thing that will affect everything, this will have been worth 10 times what I paid to go to this. Same thing. Same reason I dropped four grand for two weeks to go to Japan, which, by the way, is more than my students pay. I just train more and do more. But over the years, I mean, the chances of them showing something or, you know, once I got a handle on what Hatsumi Sensei was doing and whatnot, right, the chances of seeing something physically, shit, there's only so many things you can do to a human body and with a human body, right? So the chances of seeing a move I've ever seen before, getting slim to none. But context, perspective, all those little things, Oh, so my tag, my notebooks went from being physical or written descriptions of physical moves to little one liners, one sentence, paragraph, whatever, about a state of mind, about something that had nothing to do with a given kata. Every once in a while, I would see a kata that, oh, I haven't seen that one. I'll probably write that one down. Which, which rolls that one on? Okay. But. It's got, it's got to be different, right? In the beginning, the lessons are huge because every, everything is a, is an epiphany, right? But eventually, if that's what you're attracted to, that's, boredom's going to set in. And then what happens is the shiny object syndrome or worse yet, right? I already know this stuff, right? People come to class less and less, right? Okay. So, um, or, no, that's, I'm sorry, that's a different line. I scribbled all over the paper. So we'll leave it at that, all right? So, and then the third one, third uh, thing that frustration causes, uh, on the emotional, spiritual, anger side of things, right? More frustration, right? Um, is, uh, one, there's this frustration um, out of a sense of, like I'm not progressing fast enough, um, could be, could be, um, uh, I don't really need this this way, right? So this will lead somebody to change things, okay? Uh, I remember not too long ago, somebody sent me, well, maybe it was long ago, my, dis, my time distortion is, is changing, but they sent me a video asking me what I was thinking about somebody who was, who was um, mixing like Taekwondo and those kind of kicking and everything, right, um, with Taijutsu. And so, like, again, only so many things you can do with, to, whatever, right? But here's this guy in Saigon, Ichimonji, right, talking about how this is 
This is too slow. It doesn't work against the speed fighter. Okay. And so he went and changed it. Okay. But a quick couple of second look and I could see that his come eye was wrong. The shape is, is the, what he thinks he sees in a snapshot or on a video, but the hip placement over his rear foot, all that kind of stuff is off. And what it really comes down to is he can't move quickly from that position. So have you ever seen somebody bounce up and down in Ichimonji, right? And then, you know, be throwing kicks from that and all that kind of stuff. So again, because he couldn't do what the technique said needed to be done, right? He changed it, right? I still want to do it, but I'm going to do it my way. Okay, well, if you're going to do it your way, then why bother studying something that's been passed down? Because if you don't think that the past masters and stuff had to do things against guys who were speed fighters, I mean, shit, that's one of the reasons why Tagagi Oriomon, right, the founder of the Tagagi Ocean View, got his ass handed to him, right? Remember, in that day and age, he was already a master of what then was seen as an ancient art. And he got his ass handed to him by what was then a modern fighter. And then Takagi Yoshimu was born because he went through a whole process of working things out and, and principles and concepts and that kind of stuff. So... Anyway, all right, so there's the my way, and then the other one on this side is um, the the slump lasts too long, the frustration, whatever. There ends up being kind of a fizzling out or a loss of interest because it's still a shiny syndrome kind of thing, shiny new object thing, but it completely moves the person away from the martial arts. So in one context you're going from one to the next to the next because you're still in the same realm. But in the other one, it just fizzles out, right? So what it really comes down to is I don't want to do it anymore, right? There's a loss of interest. Um, could be I feel like I'm being held back, so what's the point, right? Or there could be a doubt in my own uh, my own ability, right? So what's the point, right? Um, you know, there could be this excuse, they're making it too hard on me what, on purpose, I've heard all these things, right? So anyway, so three causes of frustration, three things that frustration itself caused, right? I've been dancing around this whole thing, this, this extra thing, which is the big thing that can happen in all of these is uh, the, the frustration causes, right, is quitting. It causes people to quit, and they can quit for in one of three ways. But before I talk about those... Um, what do you got, James? Questions, comments? Did I put Tori to sleep? No. <laughs> Tim Wolf has a question. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim. <laughs> How do you cultivate the growth mindset in a student when they are unable to see that they're in their own way? Right. When they're in their own way, tell me how they're in their own way. Excuse making, low, uh, insufficient aptitude, uh, perspective is off. 
because it's going to be different. Like if somebody has the drive to do something and and the commitment to do it, no matter what, they're easier to, easier to work with than somebody who um, they put in bare bare minimum effort or they really want to be doing something else, but this is convenient, right? Some people want to be, want to be doing uh, need to do, right? But the Taekwondo school that's five minutes from work is just more convenient. So, well, I really want to be doing that, but I'm doing this because, like, you know, it's it's easier and more convenient. Well, shit. Okay, great. So did you really want to be doing ninjutsu, or did you just want to be practicing martial arts? Anyway, rhetorical question. Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, have the train jump the track. Did he have, a, did he have an answer to that? Uh, he says, I see when people get lost in their training and can't seem to reach them to continue. Okay. So um, how much effort is put into, um, I'll just name a couple of things. One, disguising repetition. Like if things are always being done the same way and explained the same way, you may be missing certain learning types and or references for certain people who would be motivated by something different. Case in point, um, I have a friend training in this art a little bit longer than I have, right? But he and I have a completely different approach when somebody comes up to us and asks us about training, okay? He thinks that my method is an interrogation method, and I believe that his method is only going to talk to people just like him, and I mean like just like him, because his way of doing it is he will tell the story of what did it for him, what clicked for him, right? And expects the other person to see, oh my God, that, that's magical. I, I'm, I'm going to do that, right? And when somebody asks me about training, I say, oh, well, what is it that you would like to get out of martial arts training? What is it you're looking for? Right? And then I proceed from there. I ask a bunch of locator questions to get in the head. So, um, is everything, is, is there an attempt at disguising repetition? That's, that's one. Okay. Um, two, how much do you know about the student and why they're training so that you can create a challenge? Like, okay, this is going to work against this kind of thing, but if you encounter this, that's not going to do it. And you don't necessarily have to explain it because Certain learning types, you can postulate that and it'll get their gears turning. Okay? For another one, you're going to have to put him into a situation where he's out of his league. Ever so slightly, but enough that he realizes that, shit, if I don't up my game, I'm, I'm screwed. Okay? But again, you have to know your student because if they're, if they don't handle challenges well, well, then... They're going to quit. I was asked that question one time. Um, you remember uh, Shoshi Beck, right? Pete Beck. Hey, we were in Japan one time, and let's just say that we had a few extra Japanese beers. And Pete's guard dropped, and he went from respectful to, okay, I got these students. They won't fucking practice. They won't, huh? Yeah. And I want to grab him by the neck and say, look, you need to figure this out or somebody's going to kick the shit out of you, right? 
And he looks at me and he goes, how do you tolerate that? I recognize that they're going to be there for their reasons and they must be staying for enough of ours. But there's the old adage about the horse and the water. So it is what it is, right? But I need to find their motivation. This goes back to other Kuden and other lessons we've done on the, the ninja psychological warfare, right? Uh, the five needs and the five weaknesses, right? If I know what they are for a given person, I can motivate people to do just about anything. Anyway, did he, did he throw in any extra? He said that was helpful. Thank you. Oh, cool. All right. Thanks for placating me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Anything for anybody else? Uh, <clears throat> Tori said, Taijutsu can come in when someone has passed out at the wheel and you need to get your feet on the pedal. You have to make space, take space, and control the distance. This is whole body awareness. Okay. How does ninjutsu come in? I'm not I'm not picking. Everybody keeps reducing this big giant thing that started out being brought here by Hatsumi Sensei and Stephen Hayes and prior to 1980. And it's been reduced to one small aspect as though that's the whole thing. So how does Needed to do that. I'll, I'll leave that question with you. You don't have to answer it now. Okay. So, but I agree with your Taijutsu uh, statement. Anything else, James? And Lee said, I think I am seeing the, the destructive Gogyo thing going on here. No way. Say it's not so. I mean, this stuff is like interconnected and everything. Say no. No, maybe I should have you do a breakout session during full camp. Oh, see, uh, not full camp. Um, never mind. You don't have to. You don't have to publicly uh, commit to being or not being at Daikomyo Sai. I understand. Right. <laughs> anyway, a- anything else from anybody? We need to wrap this up pretty soon. Hmm. And Tori had one other comment that John Cedia and Ed Martin were my two main teachers. Both great people. I've cool. been out. Of- training for a while i'm looking to start a training group which combined taijutsu with it training god willing i want impact young people who work at mcdonald's amazon etc who want more very cool all right so let's do this last part here three forms or three types of quitting again physical mental and uh, emotional, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, right? That, that's that side, right? Okay. So physical quitting is removing yourself from the training, right? It's actual f- quitting, right? Um, quitting martial arts altogether, right? Just not even jumping around, just okay? quitting. On the mental side, this is that shiny object syndrome, right? I quit this thing to do this thing over here, Okay. Nothing wrong with that, especially if motivation changes, whatever, right? Some people, you know, could be unfulfilled needs, whatever. I'm all cool with that, right? We just need to be clear about what it is that we're doing um, and think about what I had read there that um, that was written by Hatsumi Sensei a bunch of years ago. 
about, uh, you know, we do it because there's, there's this dullness or this, you know, whatever, right? Which is usually a sign that we're missing. We don't see what, what is right in front of us to answer that question. Sometimes the form is completely different, like, uh, Tim. Right. Uh, Tim still, like, as I said, wrapped around the self-defense world and all that kind of stuff from his training for me. But Tim's Tim's got that competitive side that uh, he needed to go wrestle with other guys and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's all cool, man. Just um, and he's really good at it. So have at it. Right. Um, but it's all good. Right. Um, what I mean by shiny object syndrome is um you know, lessons are going from bigger to smaller and then, you know, or we're, we got sidetracked, we got complacent, we got in our own way, whatever. And just like I got some sense, I wrote everything when we're in a state of frustration or confusion or whatever, everything else looks better, right? There's actually a psychological, um, uh, principle to this and I, I don't know the name of it and maybe my guys like uh michael weingarts and josh bloom and whatnot can can throw this name out or whatever but there's this uh well well documented kind of phenomenon with humans that when we want something we want in a kind of uh, relationship we want to buy something we want to engage in something or whatever, we want that thing right we tune into all the benefits and positives and we tend to ignore the negatives. And when people throw things at us about the negatives or whatever, then, you know, we'll, we'll spin it like, well, yeah, but that that's far outweighed by this thing and whatever. Right. And we will, when we want out of something or, you know, that dullness and now see everything else looks brighter and better and all that kind of stuff because we want out, but we're not just looking at the brighter, better, that brightness actually gets enhanced because we want out of this. So our focus is on all the shit that's wrong with it. And so now we're going to ignore all the positives because we want out. Okay. And this isn't the same as recognizing, like I've, I've had a, a couple of conversations with people that, you know, I've you know, different relationships in the past or whatever. Right. Um, it's one thing to just, you know, not work on things when things get challenging. And it's a whole other thing to be working on things and just be grinding yourself down. And then just suddenly you, you just realize that I'm fighting for something that's already over. Right. Or whatever. Right. Um, and uh, same thing with people with training. Right. Some people should have quit or changed their goal a long time ago because, what started out as something they really wanted to do is something they talk about wanting to do, but their interest, it's still an interest. Like I'm interested in sci-fi movies, but I don't binge watch sci-fi movies or Star Trek or whatever. There was a time in my life that shit, I could put that stuff on and just let it run. Right. But now I enjoy it when the mood strikes. Right. That's the same for everything. Okay. So um, the shiny object syndrome really is a, is about 
right? There are these new lessons that I can do or that I can feel progress with. I can feel it happening, right? I got that, I'm getting that new dopamine rush, right? From just like the new relationships, right? New love feels completely different than long-term love. And often people confuse that and they want to go back to it. But unless you know how that's created, you can't get the brain to drop the same chemicals, right? And so they're different kind of things, right? But people are often in search for the next big thing, the next cool technique. Oh, that looks like, well, how do you know that what you're doing doesn't already lead in that direction? Well, it hasn't yet, so therefore it won't. You ever hear that logic, right? Dude, stop locking your knees back when you stand like that. One of these days, you're going to blow your ACL or your PCL off your frickin' off the back of your knee assembly. Well, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. Oh, well, that's a good indicator, right? Yeah. In my uh, workplace violence consulting guys, I uh, uh, was hired by a lawyer one time to um, to uh, help a nurse who had been seriously disfigured by a patient who attacked her, and the hospital's logic, which was a big lie to begin with because there's no medical facility that does not have these kind of things going on, right? But their logic was they had no need up to that point for any workplace violence or employee training because it had never happened before and therefore, and even if that were true about their hospital, you got a freaking planet full of hospitals that it happens every day. I was doing a presentation at, at, at a regional medical center one time, and right in the middle of the presentation, this code goes off, which is this violent patient, right? And um, talking about this stuff, and uh, this one manager puts her hand up, and she goes, this is all great, but, you know, you're talking to the wrong group, right? I know they hired you to talk to us, but they need to hire you to talk to themselves because this kind of thing, that you're talking about happens five to seven times a day, if not a shift in the department that I work. With. So, you know, okay. So it doesn't, didn't happen. Right. So what are you, what are you going to say when it does happen? Right. Well, I didn't think it would <laughs> contrary to all evidence. Right. Anyway. So, uh, physical is actual physical quitting, right? Martial arts altogether. Mental is, Right. You're attracted to right these other things. Right. And then the emotional, spiritual, that whole other personal life kind of thing. Right. Um, actually shows up as procrastination. Right. There's lots of reasons, lots of excuses, not the right time, family, injuries, age, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. We're putting it off. Right. Because. I think we talked about that in a, in a recent, again, all these trainings run together, right? Um, I was talking about the, uh, <clears throat> the reason that people procrastinate is because when they put something off, they release them, they relieve themselves of the stress, anxiety, frustration, or whatever. In the moment, they no longer have to think about this because they just created buffer time for themselves. Right. And if I can blame somebody else or whatever, what it really does is just it makes it so I don't have to I don't have to work on it. Okay. But in reality, I mean, some people have been telling me 
for years that they need to get back into training. Okay. Some are still telling me they need to get back into training. Okay. And they probably will for a long time. Okay. But procrastination is a form of quitting. Okay. We can, it, it allows us plausible deniability that I'm not quitting. Right. It's just not the right time. But it, especially in this art, shit, there's always something you can be doing. Would you agree, James? Do you guys agree? A lot of you guys are on, you're on regularly and stuff. There's always something you you can be doing, right? When I freaking broke my back a couple of years ago, right? Had my wife bring in my laptop, brought in these books that I need to get caught up on, notebook, whatever. Just, there's always something, right? Mental, physical, whatever. There's always something. But again, that goes back to perspective as well, because if we assume that the training is all but 100% physical, right? I mean, it's all it's all physical, right? Then if I can't do the physical, then I can't do the training. Except, unfortunately, right? You got involved in a system that. At best, the physical, and I, I include weapons and everything, right? The physical accounts for, at best, a third of the training. At best. All right? So, um, people have complaints. I can't find a training partner. I can't. What can you do? Just had a conversation with somebody not too long ago. They're making me grind my molars down. It's a huge difference between um, people that, and they've shown this, right? People that are more likely to be successful than not, right? And and quality of life and everything, right? People that are more likely to be successful, when a problem pops up, their head wraps around what's causing it, right? How can I fix it, right? What's... It goes into problem-solving mode, right? Where the other one goes into woe-is-me mode, right? Focusing on all the reasons things won't work, all the reasons this is a problem, all the reasons this will cause them not to be able to do things, right? Until we change the mindset, then, you know, and that's all part of ninjutsu as well. Can you imagine? Holy shit, Right? Oda Nobunaga is slaying everybody, right? And so, you know, ninja are just sitting back in their clans going, this really sucks. Wish we had a different ruler. This guy's terrible, man. One of these days he's going to show up at our village and he's, okay? Nope. What'd they do? Figured out a way to make boring factions of ninja in completely different areas, right? Either work together or if you weren't going to work with the other side, could you just agree to sit this one out? Because we're going to do this thing. Next thing you know, Tokugawa's are in and 100 years of peace and force peace. But either way, right? And somebody fell over and died. <laughs> right? So, but problem solving mode. I mean, Jesus Christ, right? Can you imagine ninjas sitting around? I can, okay? 
because I grew up in this art around teachers that when I went to seminars, if we were on break time, if we were just meeting each other on the way in or whatever, like all the conversations were positive. They were about, hey, what's going on with your life and all that. Or people were like stretching off in a corner or practicing or whatever, right? I remember going to one one time. It was not within my circle. I was invited to go. It started an hour and a half late. The guest instructor was shit-faced and still hung over when they finally got him there to the training. And the whole time I was waiting and interacting with everybody that was there, I never saw so many high-ranking, supposedly ninja master, growth-oriented or whatever people pissing and moaning and complaining and bitching and whatever. I just, holy shit, was I out of my element. I couldn't believe it was the same art. I just really threw me off. But choose to refuse to model ourselves after that which hopefully should serve us. But some people, I mean, you know, think about who you gravitate toward. We've talked about that in the past, James. Right? One of my mentors always says, show me your five closest friends, you're the average. Right? Or show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That kind of thing, right? Because like attracts like. I don't want to hear this shit about opposites attract. Right? That creates an awesome dynamic, right? Especially in business or in relationships or whatever. You should always find people that have skill sets that are very different from yours because right, that's how you that's how you move. That's how you work together as a team and stuff, right? But anyway. People tend to gravitate toward groups or whatever um, because ego is comfortable. Anyway, I'm going to stop with that. So three types of quitting. Physical, you physically just quit. I quit, right? Not doing more farts anymore, whatever. And for whatever reason, right? Mental, shiny object syndrome, right? This one's not doing it for me. That one's better. That one's better. That one's better. Because, 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 right? And the other one doesn't even look like quitting. Right? Procrastination, right? That's another thing that, that we teach in our instructor training program, right? All students procrastinate and all students quit. One of the jobs of an instructor is to get your students to procrastinate quitting. Anyway, all right. I think we should wrap this up. Any other questions, comments? What do you got there, James? Uh, Tori just said, thank you for these live sessions. <clears throat> and asked if you could please do a video den show series for each Ryuha. I know he asked for that already. Um, uh, maybe, dude. My heart's not in it at the moment. But um, yeah. With the way I explain things, holy shit, we'd, we'd just be, we wouldn't even be finishing up one technique. How old are you? <laughs> Do we have the time? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate your confidence and I, I, the kind words that you send into me about doing these things, but lots of other people have done them. Um, I would, I don't know. Hmm. Perhaps. We'll see.
right now my schedule is really loaded with ideas and all that kind of stuff that I want to do for 2023, and I need to pare it down to like five or six because um, James knows how I set goals. They tend to be like obnoxiously big, big old freaking hairy things. Anyway, uh, anybody else? Uh, Lee just said, how about just the Kihon or Sanshin? Just kidding. Well, Sanshin's already on. Actually, I did a whole, there's a home study course. Now, this was done years ago, but there's more in there than you're going to find in anybody's Sanshin and Kihon course. And that was done in the course of a weekend. James, you were there for that one, right? I had to, like, shortcut the last, like, two techniques because we were literally out of time. Um, and uh, so I taught how many different variations. I Now, I front-loaded, like, the first technique in each series with most of the principles, just like the, just like the scrolls are. So just because I didn't cover those things in the, in the preceding techniques doesn't mean that they don't get carried forward, right? Like, when we did Chino Kata from the Sanchin, shit, we probably spent two hours um, easily on just that one, right? So it is called the Advanced Sanshin Kionapo Home Study Course. We had that, right? So um, do we have an, we still have an information page for that? Should be. We'll, we'll post that, right? Um, if you're interested in, like, how I describe those things, because um, remember, I started before most people that are teaching this other stuff, right? And, um, uh, I started before we knew that there were names to things. They went out of their way to not discuss scrolls, lineages, different kata, that kind of thing. So when I found those things out, I was like, shit, seriously? I didn't think we had anything like that, right? Um, But I had multiple versions of these different, like Sanchin, multiple versions, you know. So um, if you want to start with something that goes into that kind of stuff like that, then that's that's the place to start. I, I completely forgot about that. I mean, we did that. Shit. When did we do that, James? <laughs> Holy shit. How old is that program? It's back there. I don't look as gray and distinguished, let's just say. <laughs> Might even have a little bit more on top. Um, so, But, yeah, that's that's the place to start. So. Um, let's double check the, to make sure that when everything transferred to Online Ninja Academy, we have the information page, and we'll post a link out to everybody uh, about that. So if that'll work, but that that will go into. So uh, thanks, Lee, for the joke, but it's not a joke. I've, I've got that right. So Sanchin Kionapo, because Sanchin is about penetration, right? How do you deliver a technique and how do you get things in on him without him being able to stop it? avoid it, counter it, or whatever. And then Kiana Bo is about energy conservation. Um, how do you apply the techniques? Again, using the, the principles taught in the Sanchin um, uh, with the least amount of wear and tear on you as possible. Right. So are you, you look like you're lost in thought. Are you okay? I'm good. Throwing a I'm... seizure? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. So, are we good? Yes. Sir. Last any questions or comments? No. Yes. No. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. 
thanks for joining me the day after Christmas 2022. Uh, and I'll talk to you again right after the new year. That's it. See you next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.